What is most important to you in your life? Most people who consider this question would place family at or near the top of their list of priorities. Yet few people invest time and energy into really working on their skills as parents or spouses. For the past few years, I have had the opportunity to be part of Front Row Dads, a unique community of high-performing men from across North America who come together for the purpose of being great fathers. Today's episode features the founder of Front Row Dads and two of the original members who are amazing fathers, having a conversation with me about some things we've learned about parenting. I hope you enjoy this truly unique episode and that you get ideas you can implement in your life and share with others. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. We have a very special episode today. Uh, with three of my favorite people. We have John Vroman on the podcast today, who is the founder of the Front Row Dads organization, which we're going to be talking about. And we've got John Kane, and we've got Adam Stock, who are two of the original members of Front Row Dads. Uh, all three OG. of these gentlemen, yeah, we're OGs. All three of these gentlemen have Cutco roots. Uh, John is one of the top, John Kane is one of the top executives currently in Cutco. John Broman and Adam both were leaders in the organization years ago, and uh, we're all members of Front Row Dads, and we're going to talk about the idea of exceptional parenting today and a lot of things that we've learned through the process of Front Row Dads over the last few years. So we're going to start with you, John Broman, since you are the founder of Front Row Dads. Uh, the first retreat of Front Row Dads was three years ago in October of 2016 in Philadelphia. Tell us a little bit about how this came together and you know what gave you the idea to start the organization. Yeah, well, you know, it's great that Johnny Kane is here because he and I were at a coffee shop and we had just been huddling up on some Fridays talking about life and, you know, goals, how things were going at the at the present moment. And one of the questions came up is like, hey, what what can we build together? That's been a question that's existed in our relationship for more than a decade. 
And it's always been fun creating and building, whether it was Front Row Foundation or something else with our families. And this particular time, this season of our life brought us together to ultimately land on, let's get guys together, talk about being better husbands, better fathers. That We both are, you know, as, as many people know, and as you two are as well, we just love people. We love to learn with and from amazing people. So it was, uh, once we had the idea, it was a no-brainer. 30 of our friends showed up, um, including you two gents, uh, Adam and Dan, of course. And, and there it was, you know, it was just, uh, it was a great start. And, and one thing I think that's important to, as a disclaimer from the get-go here is I didn't host the event because I had somehow figured out or that John Kane had figured out everything there was to know about marriage and parenting. And we wanted to tell everybody what to do. This was a quest for information. This was learning from and with amazing guys. We just knew that if we asked the right questions and people were open and honest about their struggles and, and what was working in their lives, that we would all walk away. If just one idea from every person in that room, we could potentially walk away with 30 new ideas and 30 new allies in that mission of being great family men. Yeah, for sure. You know, one of the ideas that came out was uh, I can remember a guy named Jim Shields talking about what he called the matrix of education. And he encouraged us to connect to our toughest times in our lives and realizing, and I remember we made a list of, we had to make a list of our five toughest times in our life. And that by connecting to those toughest times, we got an idea of what our kids really need to learn. And the idea that like life is the test, right? Our kids don't need more tests at school. Life is the test. And, and being able to connect to what our toughest times are really helped us understand, you know, what are the things we should be talking about and teaching our kids about as they're experiencing their own challenges, you know, as, a, as young, growing human beings. What else do you guys remember about that first retreat? John, you look like you were going to say something. John Kane. I was just going to invite you to go first. You look good today. Go. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, I have all my binders, so I wanted to make sure that I was referencing. They're, they're, they're thick. They're growing. There's seven binders now. So I wanted to make sure that I was referencing the right meeting. And indeed, at that first meeting, uh, our one of our guest speakers, as you mentioned, was Jim Shields. He, and he talked about family board meetings in addition to talking about the matrix. So Jim Shields wrote a book called Family Board Meetings, which is about how you, it's a system for, and not a very complicated one, but it's a directive and an and it, it inspiring methodology to spend a one-on-one time with your kids. And so before reading that, I used to think of my life as binary I'm either working or I'm with my family. And so there was a, this duality. And I thought that, hey, I'm being a good dad. I'm spending time with my family. But really, when you, when you get into the hearts and minds of your kids, they, they don't care about family time as much, nearly as much, mm. as they care about one-on-one time. They, kids crave one-on-one time with dad, one-on-one time with mom. And so it took me a little while for this to stick, but when it stuck, it stuck. And I've done, I think, eight rounds with three of my kids. And it's a recurring activity in my calendar, and it's totally transformed my identity as a father 
and my relationship with my kids. And they look forward to it. They get jealous when the other kids are going out on their, we call them one-on-ones, when they're going out on their one-on-ones with dad. And we do something cool. They're like, whatever we do something cool as a family, my son Sammy says to me, hey, dad, for our next one-on-one, let's, you know, he wants to do that just with him. So that is, uh, uh, for those who are listening to this, I would run, not walk, to go buy Jim Shield's book, Family Board Meetings, and then implement the family board meetings in your family life. Yeah, it's literally like a one-hour read. It's like 60 pages, big type, small pages, easy to read. I read it on the airplane back from that meeting in Philadelphia. Can, can you share, Adam, the different ground rules that Jim uh, you know, stipulates are important? Yeah, so the most important one is no electronics. And so it's really a time to be present with your kids. It's four hours. It includes a meal for reflection and discussion. And they choose and plan the event. There awesome. might be others, but those are, those are the key ones that I'm thinking of right now. I would have to echo Adam's thought that that was profound. And there was another speaker at that event named Jason McKenzie, and he shared his story. And in all being candid, you know, John Vroman is a guy, you know, I would lay down my life for. He is a, uh, a true best friend. And I've seen the way in this world he has shown up for me and other people. And, you know, John could have said, you know, he was selling cotton candy in Philadelphia that weekend and I probably would have showed up. And, you know, while it is true that I was part of having some initial discussions, the truth is John ran with it, got the thing started, got it organized. And I showed up that weekend as his friend and supporter. I wasn't even sure what was going to be covered or what was going to happen there. And there was something pretty phenomenal that happened. You know, John stood up and was very open with the guys and said, in some way, guys, you know, this isn't going to be the John Vroman conference. You'll all remember this. And he essentially turned the meeting over to John Berghoff to run. And what we came to realize is that, you know, and John shared is that he actually created the event that he would want to attend as it related to where he was in his life as a father and as a, as a husband. And I think I was not prepared for how floored I was by how compelling it was. I think I was thinking, it'd be great to hang out with everybody. It's going to be nice. It's going to be fun. You know, it's one thing to tell your wife you're going to Vegas for a weekend with your friends. And it's another thing to say, hey, I'm going to a dad's retreat. I mean, that sounds pretty, pretty, pretty good. You know, you get the free pass on that one. But I wasn't prepared for what happened. When Jason McKenzie stood up and told his story, essentially the core of that was um, being open to being more vulnerable as a man and to really opening up your heart. Um, And his story, he tells a very compelling story. I recommend his book, The Dadly Book of Open. Um, And he really just shared his journey, which was deeply personal. And um, I was deeply affected by that. Um, Another impression from that event was an exercise where in 20 minutes, we had a group of people um, and each of us were encouraged to share our superpower, the thing that we feel we're doing well as a father. And it was such a positive exercise. And in 20 minutes, what I learned from the men in that circle, the things that they share, it was worth, you know, it was worth any price just to hear those ideas. And so within a, within a day, it was very apparent that something special was happening here. Um, there was some real magic. And 
you know, again, candidly, I knew it was going to be a nice weekend. I just didn't know it was going to be one of those moments that would really shape the course of my life. And that trend has continued as this organization has grown. So Johnny, thanks for giving me credit for our coffee talk. The fact is, yep, it's an idea. We talked about it, but your effort and work and intention is really what got it off the ground. And I just think, you know, I'll be forever grateful for your initiative on that. Sometimes you just need somebody to give you the vote of confidence, you know, and say, that's a good idea. We should roll with that. And it was, you know, really, I think that whenever somebody gives anyone the title of founder, it, it, it's kind of, um, you know, has a, uh, I have a feeling inside that it should be always co-founder because there's lots of people that are there from the beginning that help get it going, that are founding members of something. And and certainly I feel that way about all the guys. I was saying recently that of the 30 people that were at that event, 20 are still active members in the community. And that to me is remarkable. And it's really cool. And in fact, Dan, I'll answer the question from my perspective too and say that what I got from that event which was not what I was expecting. See, I thought it was going to be like a specific strategy or an idea. But what I walked away with was this aha moment in my life where I had been a guy who focused a lot on relationships. I felt very proud to have lots of good friendships. And I always felt that I had good conversations with all those people. I had invested in my personal and professional growth and felt that I was well-read and well had explored the world. Right When I got together with that group with that intent over that weekend, what became glaringly obvious to me was that there was a very big difference of just having a lot of friends or getting together and talking with somebody uh, over dinner on a Saturday night where you said, how's your family? And, and even if you said, I was really honest with them, there's a very big difference between doing that and spending three days immersed in a structured experience where we are diving deep into those conversations. And maybe it's like the difference of working out for 10 minutes, which would be like a casual chat of how's your family and going out and doing like a big training run or training for an Ironman or really building endurance, really testing your skill and mastering a craft. There's something about an immersion that makes sense, which is why all of us, even in our own companies and you know, within Cutco, that we all knew the value of a quick... You know, personal interaction with a representative or a manager, but we also know the difference of going to an event and and uh, an SLC or a, or a summer conference. They're critical to the success of somebody's future, and even the experiences that we have on the national trips. Like you go, can you do that? Just catching up on the phone, you can build a relationship there. But when you go for an immersion experience, it's very different. And there's something special that happens in that place. And so I just walked away with a newfound respect the idea that, hey, this was missing in my life. And that no matter what, whether it became my business or not, it needed more of that. So something is really important in your world. You need to build a structure around it. And that's usually you need one-to-ones, you need small groups, you need medium-sized groups and, and, and other resources, but that texture needs to exist. Yes, exactly. And I had the same experience just being there and realizing like I had nothing in my life like what we experienced in those couple days. And, and there were so many good things that came out of it. John, tell us the story of Tiger and the Rock Wall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. A, I, lo- I love this story. I, I could hear this story like every day. <laughs> love so it. Funny. 
Yeah. So the story with Tiger now at this point dates back almost six years, which is interesting. So I was living in New Jersey at the time and we were at this park not too far from our home. They had set up this rock wall that uh, the community could come out. You buy tickets and climb the wall. And Tiger at four years old really, really wanted to climb the wall. And in my heart, I knew that he was too young for this. I looked at the wall. I looked at the people climbing it. I looked at my son and I just immediately made the judgment. No way. No, he can't even fit in the harness. He's four years old, right? Uh, This is not for him. So I really tried to encourage him to go do something else, like this other little roller coaster that was just down the way. And But he was persistent and he really wanted to climb the wall. So finally, I caved in. And I said, you know, and, but in my heart, again, I'm thinking it's going to get to the wall. The guy's going to be like, no, you have to be this. I mean, we know how that is, right? Like every young kid is like, you're not tall enough, kid. You're not tall enough, kid. Like that's what it's like at those events. Well, he, he was tall enough, apparently. So the guy threw a harness on him. He put his hands on the wall and like a natural born climber, he makes it about 30, 35 feet up on the wall. But he gets to this part of the wall that it actually starts to invert out a little bit. And what looks to me like the expert part of the wall that's to really stump people at the end, he was stumped. Uh, he looked down from the top of the wall and he just he said what, what I was expecting to hear, which is, I can't, right? He got stuck. And I was thinking, what would be a great answer as a dad? But what I did is I just said, you tried, buddy. I said, I'm so proud of you. You tried. It's all right. And the reason that I said that was because I knew he couldn't do it, right? In my heart. Well, right when he was about to let go of the wall, this guy who was the man who put the harness on him, he just looks up at my son and he says, hey, he goes, little man, try again. And it was right there when he said it that I felt like the worst dad in the world (laughs) because it just hit me that that's exactly what I should have said. Give it another shot. But I was so wrapped up in my own belief that he couldn't do it that the only words that could mumble out of my mouth was, it's all right, you tried, right? Almost in victory of my own, you know, like, hey, I was right. Well, my son, he did grab a hold of the wall one more time. He gave it one more try. And the guy and the little boy made it all the way to the top and blew everybody's mind, and including my own. In fact, as he's coming back down the wall and he walks over to me, the part that I tell of the story that always gets a huge laugh in every audience is that, and this is a true part of the story, he walks over, I'm high-fiving him, I'm giving him congratulations, I'm genuinely blown away, right? Like my wife and I are freaking out. But this guy standing next to me, he's like, oh my God, like how old is your son? I said, he's four. He goes, that's incredible. I go, I know, man, it's like, I'm blown away too. And as Tiger is taking the harness off, uh, the guy just strikes up a conversation. He's like, you live local? Yeah, 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 I'm here. And he goes, what do you do for a living? And I said, I'm a motivational speaker. (laughs) And right when I said it, I again was like, holy cow, like what is wrong with me? Right? Like what is wrong with me? Because I spend my life trying to encourage people to push themselves and reach for the stars and go further. I mean, we started Front Row Foundation by running an ultra marathon. And I always said, I'm never going to doubt my kids. When somebody says you can't say, you go further, you could do it. And here I was, the dad going, yep, I knew it. You couldn't do it. I was right. And what I walked away with from that day, that the lesson that I got was that we treat people like we remember them yesterday and not as who they can become in any one moment. Mm. And so if we can see potential, it happens with our kids all the time. The reason why parents are so blown away 
is because they're looking at their kids like they were yesterday. Sometimes we're so blown away as a parent. We're like, oh my God, I can't believe he did it. I can't believe he rode the bike. I can't believe he climbed the wall. I can't believe he did the thing. That actually is like not only wonderful that you're blown away, but it's actually telling how we view our kids because we, we see them as we did yesterday. And we do it to ourselves as well as dads. We see the patterns that we've created. And as business owners, we do it. We see our potential, how much uh, our teams can produce and, and what's possible. We see it as we did yesterday. And so we need to learn to look at our kids and look at our lives and look at our businesses and look at everything with a fresh set of eyes on a regular basis and to challenge ourselves to see potential and not the past. Yeah, fantastic, John. That's, that's a great story and such an important lesson that came out of it. Now, I know that sometime in the year following the first dad's retreat, you decided to go all in on Front Row Dads and to make Front Row Dads your full-time pursuit. Um, what made you make that decision? I couldn't not make that decision. But this is the way I am. We can go back through the timeline, but once I know... It, I can't be talked out of it. And it's, it's like what people have said often that, uh, you know, when I found Tatiana 11 years ago, nobody could talk me out of it, right? And I remember prior to Tatiana asking people like, how do you know when she's the one? How do you know when you need to get married? And uh, people, you know, people would offer their advice. And it wasn't until I found, when I found Tatiana, I knew the answer then. And so when people would ask me, how do you know when she's the one? I would say, when you don't have to ask that question. And so the interesting thing for me with Front Row Dads is I didn't need to ask anybody if I should do Front Row Dads full-time. It was the minute I knew that I was plugged into that community, I knew I'd found what I was supposed to do. And it might not have happened... I might get sound magical, like it was overnight, like I immediately... But it was pretty close to that aha experience of like, this is what I need to be doing more. I didn't know how to do it, so the transition took a couple years because I didn't I had to figure out how to let go of a couple hundred thousand in speaking income to right and but eventually when you know that's why the quote uh, that I first heard from Jamie Clark when your why is strong enough your how reveals itself and and I've I've coined it for myself when your why has heart your how gets legs I didn't know how to do it I just knew that this was it this was the purpose that I mm-hmm. was put here to this was the mission that was next in my life awesome. Awesome. So following that retreat, you've held the retreats now every six months, twice a year. Uh, I know Adam has been to every single one. You've been to seven retreats. Or I can't I, get it right. <laughs> I just keep coming back. I'm a slow learner. I feel like I'm repeating kindergarten over and over and over and over and over again. I'm back. Yeah. I will say in all candor that every single retreat, I've come back with a very unique breakthrough that's been significant. Yeah, well, let's talk about some of those breakthroughs because I know uh, John Kane's been to four retreats. I've been every October, so I've been to four retreats. But let's talk about some of these breakthroughs and some of the our favorite insights from the retreats. So why don't, uh, why don't one of you, John Kane or Adam, why don't one of you guys fire away? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to share one that was profound for me. And I really I want to thank John for the intentionality of shaking things up each time because it really is a different experience. And, you know, you're stepping into a similar environment, but it's really different. And um, again, each time I've been surprised by a takeaway, the second retreat I attended was in Santa Cruz. Um, We did a hike through the Redwoods that was magnificent. 
And we had an opportunity to hear John Israel share his Mr. Thank You message. And this was before the book. It may have been one of the first times he publicly shared the message. I believe that's true. Um, But certainly at the level that he's impacting the world now, it was clearly early on. And he shared the message of how he wrote five thank you notes a day for a year and that journey and what it meant. At the end of that, Matt Storm, uh, current Cutco CGC, but had been a district manager with us for many years. His wife, Leanne, is, is a top CSP with us. He shared the dynamic, uh, the story of writing a letter to his father and the impact of that. Well, that day on that mountain, I wrote a letter to my dad and I mailed it to him. And just a few months later, my dad passed away. And when I went home, I, I saw that letter on my dad's dresser. And, you know, because of the front row dad's retreat, I was inspired to take an action that I never, I could have always written him a letter. I could have always said all the things I wanted to say to him. Um, but there were things that I needed to say and wanted to say. and. You know, I know that because of that retreat, I'm, you know, devastated by the loss, but there's a piece around that. And I think about that one gift to me in my life, something that I could not put a price on. That's the type of thing that happens to men in this environment. Now, everybody's takeaways are different, but that was so profound and unpredictable. And I think that's what's fun about this. We've all made a life of standing and in and supporting people and helping people grow. And um, we really love that. And it's so fun to be surprised. And I, I really love this brotherhood because I'm surprised. I want to make one more comment, and that's about you, Dan. Dan, I've been watching you host these podcasts for months now. And what is true is that there are, very, there are many people who know who know how great you are. And I've always known that and I've always felt that from the time I was a new manager at my first big event, you really making the time to connect with me and talk to me and make me feel welcome. 1994 in Dallas at the mansion. And what I will tell you, though, is these past few years of getting to know Dan as a husband and father, because when we go on these retreats, we're not talking business. We're talking family, marriage. There's no biz talk. And one of the greatest blessings of this has been to get to know men in different ways. And I really have cherished the opportunity to get to know you in this way and to have a completely different relationship than the one we've shared for over 25 years. And so to take something that's been one thing and put a completely new lens on it, that's a magical part of what's happening here. So those are a couple of my takeaways. And Dan, thanks for this great work that you're doing. It's very special. Yeah, fantastic, John. Thank you so much for saying that. And I echo those same thoughts about the ways in which I've been able to get to know a lot of people uh, at a more personal level. The group is obviously way more than just a, a bunch of Cutco guys. I mean, the Cutco guys make up maybe a third of the front row dads, but, uh, but there's so many amazing people that we have a chance to interact with and talk to that uh, we have a chance to gain insights from. And like you, I came away from John Israel's message uh, really moved. And the idea that John, the question John posed is how do we treat that which we're grateful for? And the idea that the more gratitude we have for people in our lives, there's a different way that we treat them. There's a different way that we make them feel. There's a different vibe that we create and stronger relationships that we build. And that was certainly a very valuable takeaway from that, uh, that Santa Cruz retreat. Um, Adam, how about uh, a takeaway that you want to share? 
Well, there are a lot of them, but if I had to just pick one of all of them, I would say, so we were in the Florida Keys and we had a speaker named Kelly Flanagan and he wrote a book called Lovable. And it was interesting that I flew from Chicago down to the Keys and then Kelly's from Chicago. So I'm in the Florida Keys and he lives like near me. He wrote a book called Lovable and he talked about three things that we yearn for in life being purpose, connection, and worthiness. Purpose, connection, and worthiness. And I had never heard those three words put together like that. And I had also never really had time to reflect on that word worthiness. And one thing that came out of that is that I realized that I had not deemed myself worthy of having a fit body. Now, to people that are, you know, are fit or are normal weight or whatever, like, that might seem like a really strange thing to say. What do you mean you don't, didn't feel like you, in all candor, felt like people that were fit, like that was reserved for a certain type of person, maybe somebody who would show up on GQ magazine, and it wasn't me. And so I, I kind of settled for the person that I saw in the mirror every day. And I created the story that that was what was normal, Adam. And I decided, having heard Kelly Flanagan, that, like, what if I was worthy of having a fit body? How would that be? And I, and I said, I am worthy. I am worthy of having a fit body. And over the next series of months, I lost 25 pounds and was in great, great shape and weighed at one point, less than I weighed at my wedding 18, now it's 19 years, but 19 years ago. So, and, and I've generally speaking maintained, I've gained a couple pounds, but I'm, I'm still down over 20 from where I was at that retreat. And there's a whole lot of levels of impact, but for me, that's been a huge game changer. Yeah, and that- the ripple effect as well, right? Like, so there's the ripple effect of it's not just me, but now I can show up with more energy for my kids and for my wife and for my business. You think when you're carrying a 20 pound backpack all over the place, like at some point you're going to get tired and you realize, oh, well now I don't have that 20 pounds anymore, right? Like there's 20 less pounds that I have to carry around all day long. Yeah, that, that example, Adam, is about so much more than just health and fitness. At the Santa Cruz retreat, Hal Elrod spoke about his venture, I guess you could say, of the previous year, which was being diagnosed with an extremely rare form of cancer, which that diagnosis came literally days after we were together in Philadelphia at the Philadelphia retreat. Hal was diagnosed with an extremely rare form of cancer, uh, given a 20 to 30% chance to live and went through a year of battling that and coming out you know better on the other side and he described that year and really understanding what matters most in life just the idea that if we succeed at everything in our life but our family life isn't good or our health isn't good then we're going to regret it we're then we're not succeeding right and and the importance of understanding and prioritizing the value of our health, the value of our time with our family, 
somebody shared an example at one of the retreats about presence with your family, presence with your kids. And, um, and, and they, they used an example that they gave, which was if you're just really present with your kids for three hours every night, call it five to eight or six to nine or whatever that might be, that three hours times five days times 52 weeks is 19 and a half, 40 hour work weeks or the equivalent of 1.4 extra years of time by the time your kids are 18 years old. And these are some of the like simple insights that I feel like have come out of our interactions is just really realizing and understanding what's most important to us and that we as a group have decided that we are family men with businesses. We're not businessmen with families and, and, and reshaping our priorities and reshaping some of the ways in which we spend our time to be more effective and to be, you know, happier uh, in our personal lives. So to me, that was one of the ahas that came out of these events. You know, on that note, Dan, I'll throw the idea out there that um, like Cutco and the experience that I had, which was, which I, I could, I could have, I mean, I could go off on a whole soapbox about how, you know, Cutco Vector saved my life and it gave me my life in so many amazing ways. But a lot of it is nuances, right? Like you look around, you go, well, I ran a training class. I ran a recruiting class. Uh, I put up an ad, right? I did, I'm relating it to the business that there's lots of people that are doing the business. Right. But where people tend to find the accelerator is through these nuances and these relationships where they meet somebody and they learn a little gem. They field train, they cross train, they go to an event, they pick up a, a strat. It's a slight twist on something. It's a, you know, look, how, you know, let's go back to how for a second, right? Like, how's literally sold millions of copies of a book that tells people how to wake up, read, uh, like sit in silence. It's like it's exercise, not, right? Right. It's like, but here's what we crave: is we crave the nuances, we crave the frameworks, we crave that those little specific the edge, like the family board meeting. It's not rocket science, right? Like spend one on one time with your kids. Somebody goes, yeah, <laughs> right. But you go, no. I mean, these are the these are the little pieces of life, those that make it yours. That it's this is the tiny brush stroke that separates one piece of artwork from another. And I think that that's what's so important about this. Because look, we talk about this too. It's like, it's not only about new, it's about true. So both are good. We want new, fresh ideas. We want that, I've never seen it that way. Like we could talk about Kelly Flanagan's ego castle, like at that event, also in the Keys, he talked about the ego castle. I've heard people talk about ego for 40, you know, for, well, I'm 44 now. Most of my adult life, I've heard people talk about ego. He presents ego with one perspective, one metaphor, and the whole thing lines up for me and I get it, right? It's like, that's what we get so many times when we're trying to seek mastery is a level of understanding. We talked about at this event, the above the line, below the line concept. One of the most pivotal ideas of my year. Very simple mm. about when we're triggered, when we're open, where we operate from, how communication works. It's a simple framework. But this was brought to me by the Brotherhood. Simple idea. Look, I know about sleep. But Sachin Patel at our event in Austin gave this mind-blowing health talk, introduced me to the Aura Ring, which I'm wearing, if, you, if anybody's watching this on video, the Aura Ring, O-U-R-A. Now I'm tracking my sleep in such an amazing way. One third of my life is spent asleep. And now I've got all this like new information around sleep. But 
look, again, sleep was there. We all know you need to sleep to get rested, but it's the nuances. It's the tiny little tweaks that are so powerful. Indeed, indeed. Let's get into a little more of some some of the uh, specific parenting uh, habits that we've discussed, because I know uh, a lot of people will be looking for some of the specific ideas as well. And, and I'll tee off uh, here with this one. Uh, in the Florida Keys, uh, we were talking about the importance of helping kids generate empathy and the idea that empathy is a critical element for success uh, emotionally. And I just remember writing down a quote, which was, you know, let's talk about how this makes your brother feel. So let's say my daughter, you know, does something bad to her little brother, right? Let's talk about how this makes your brother feel and discussing with her, right, what he's experiencing in that moment so that she can begin to put herself in other people's shoes, and just the importance of being able to help kids generate that empathy for others. That was one insight and it was something that we dug into and talked about that I came away you know, with a good lesson from that I've certainly have been implementing since that time. At that same retreat, we had uh, one of the participants there, Pat Petrini, uh, has a wife who is an animal trainer. And I can remember asking him, hey, I'm curious, you know, in animal training, what percent of animal training is positive versus negative reinforcement? And I expected him to say something like 80-20 or 90-10 or something like that. And he says, oh, it's a hundred and zero. It's a hundred percent positive reinforcement. And we were discussing like, okay, well, how realistic is that as a parent to have it be a hundred and zero? And we kind of concluded like, look, there are times where there has to be some kind of you know punishment or negative consequences or something like that when it comes to kids, but that not very often, that it's more important to be providing positive reinforcement for all the things we want. And it just reminded me of the importance psychologically of talking with our kids about what we want them to do versus what we don't want them to do, right? Pointing them towards here are the things we want you to do and here are the positive consequences you're going to get from that versus what we don't want them to do. That when we when we point people towards what we want, it's like giving them a goal. It's aspirational. It's inspiring. It makes them want to do it. When we point people toward what we don't want them to do, it's restricting. It's negative. They fight against it and they're less likely to comply. It's like the old example of kids running on the pool deck. And if the lifeguards all yell, walk, 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 the kids are far more likely to comply Versus if the lifeguards yell, no running, no running, right? Then kids are less likely to comply. So that whole idea of positive reinforcement, and it has really got me thinking about the ways in which I communicate with my kids and making sure that I'm, I'm, I'm exhibiting that on a regular basis. What are some other things that have come out? John Kane? You know, I think the retreat has given me an opportunity to pause and really take a look at myself and the way I'm showing up in many situations. And I'm so grateful that this podcast can be utilized in our Cutco community because I feel like we have a responsibility in working with a lot of young people as they're maturing and learning how to respond to situations in their life. And I'm not proud of this, but there were many times where during my work week, I'm doing a great job responding to people at work and staying calm and having a positive attitude and being positive. 
And then I would come home in an exhausted state and react to things that were going on at home in a way that I'm, I'm not proud to say are true. Maybe it was snapping at my wife or having a terse response or being impatient with the kids. And I think what this group did is it, it really gave me an opportunity to take a look at what was an upgraded way of approaching the way I show up at home, turning off the phone, leaving it in the car at the end of the day, um, pulling over on the side of the road before I go home so that when I show up at home, I'm actually really there, you know, that I actually show up there and not somewhere else. Learning to be kinder and to ask more questions, learning how to have a family dinner in an effective way, sharing our highs and our lows, really intentionality and awareness of things that I was doing really well at work, but in some way was not carrying over into the home. And I think asking better questions of my wife and uh, you know, just asking better questions of the kids. These are some of the things across all the retreats that have emerged, but um, the retreats have really given me a mirror to look at myself. And I haven't been happy about everything that I've seen, but I'm so grateful for that space so that as I think about it, I would tell people my family's my number one priority. But the truth is that wasn't what was really showing up in my life for some time. And I had to take a good look and say, what's actually true? And for me, it was a real wake-up call. As my kids are getting a little older and my, t- my son just became a teenager and I'm realizing these moments are, are racing by us. And I don't want to be sitting 10 years from now wishing I had been there when they were there. And so the profound gift from this beyond, you know, there's no amount of money that I could place on the value of now being more present and more engaged in being where I am when I'm there at home and at work. And the quality of life has grown from what I thought was a pretty good life up until that point. And it wasn't that things were bad, but when you, in, when in this type of an immersion, what becomes you become aware of is what's possible and what's optimal. And, you know, with being around other men that are striving to be great at this, you just keep lifting each other up. And I think that's the, that's the gift of, of this. It's that um, you're lifting each other up. And also, when you take a knee, you know, when you get the wind knocked out of you, you feel 20 hands reaching out to pull you back up. And I think that's been one of the benefits of what's special about our Cutco community. There's a, there's a family nature and a family dynamic. Once you're in Cutco, you're part of that family. And people who leave end up craving that, as, as you've heard people share on some of these podcasts. Well, I'm glad I found a space where, yeah, it's not all Cutco people. It's a lot of people who know really nothing about Cutco. And that's kind of cool, too, to have some different circles to run in. But to truly feel like I, I know that there's not a guy that I've connected with in this front row dads that I couldn't call up and say, hey, I got something on my mind. Would you be willing to just listen? And people would do that willingly. In fact, it's happening right now. Guys are organizing locally, you know, into what are called bands, you know, local guys. And they're just really supporting each other between retreats and retreat, between calls. And that's been those have been some of the experiences that I've really valued. Yeah, you know, uh, John, you referenced the idea of presence and prioritizing. And Adam, you've done a great job of teaching 
the front row dads about the concept of uh, scheduling and sort of strategic planning for your personal life uh, being more, you know, more or at least equally important as the strategic planning that you do in your business life. And, and maybe you could speak briefly to this concept and share some insights that people could take with them. Sure. So I have five kids and different businesses and a, and a wife and a dog and it's chaos. It, it really is. And to try to balance it all, if you're trying to wing it, it just doesn't work. And I, I think many of us, regardless of how many kids we have, we feel that same way. Like we're kind of caught up in a whirlwind and we find out about events and it catches off, off guard and we're not communicating as well as we could be with our spouses. And so the way that I have managed that in large part is thinking in parallel with my business. So many of you who are listening to this sit down at, at the end of the year, at the beginning of the year, and you, you spend a lot of time and probably as you grow older, an increasing amount of time doing strategic planning for your business, mapping out the calendar, mapping out what your goals are, what you're looking to accomplish with your people who work with you, your personal goals, professional goals. And I think the analog doesn't happen with nearly as much intention or energy. And so how does it look if we can take that same intention and energy that we put into the business on the personal side? And so I spent a lot of time just starting now mapping out 2020. And so I take a lot of time to map out this life and the year in broad picture. And then I also have some guiding philosophies that guide how I'm going to manage my calendar on a week-by-week basis. And so a lot of it's just very intentional, realizing that we only have three limited resources in our life. Those resources are money and time and personal energy. How can you maximize the time that you have to make sure that you're doing the things that you want to be doing in an optimal fashion? Mm. Yeah, that's a great insight. And, and I definitely have uh, taken that to heart and, and been very conscious of looking at my calendar and my schedule with the lens that uh, the strategic planning of personal activities needs to be built in uh, largely before most of the business activities that happen. So it's cool. Uh, Johnny V, you want to share some of your uh, your favorite takeaways? Man, I think I think John Kane just did a brilliant job articulating what I was thinking. And if I were to add some specifics, there, man, they might seem small to somebody listening, but they've been huge in my life. And uh, you know, here's an example, right? Matt King talking about how, how he builds the relationship, sibling relationships, right? So, how does he have his kids? become best friends and how he speaks that into their heart, right? That was an example. It's simple. He gave some, you know, it's like, hey, this is your best friend that you look out for that person there, right? You're here for each other. These types of conversations, the verbiage that came from that has played a role in my family life. I think about something small like Justin Donald and his reading program that he has with his family. So, you know, here's an example of a guy who's read 130 books this year. And, you know, what's great about his, you know, when I'm like, hey, how's it going? He said, oh, well, 
you know, Savannah reads a book to me and then I read to her. And man, it's just such a beautiful articulation of how I like to read too. But a lot of times I read when my kids are sleeping. So in this particular case, it was the idea of how do we do some of the things that we might do? Like, I'm going to get that done before my kids wake up to do with our kids or in front of our kids, right? It's like, hey, you might be going to the gym five days a week, but if your kids never see you work out, they're not developing the, you know, forgive the pun, the muscle around, hey, this is what our family does. Like, because if they never see you do it, if it's always done in private because you're more effective when you're working out in private than when your kids are around, hey, you, you might be a little, a little stronger than if your kids are around and kept interrupting you, but you wouldn't get that like, hey, I can pass along who are the Romans and what do we value, right? And so I think it's a lot of those best practices that keep giving me the roadmap in order to succeed whether it's dinnertime conversations or the reading or how we speak to our kids, those are the things that I consistently pull away from the events. It's usually like a simple approach that it's, an, it's a twist to something I might already be doing. Because somebody would go, yeah, I know I should read with my kids. Yeah, my kids should be friends or they should look after each other. But it's the actual, the way that it's said it's the vibe, it's the feeling. And even just the confidence of some of the guys in the group. Like when we do talk about relationships or marriage, right? Sometimes it's um it's a question that somebody will ask. Like I think about my buddy Tim Nikolaev, who is also former Cutco. And Tim is a remarkable human being. He's part of my band, and that's my group of four guys that we meet every month for two hours. But one of the things that Tim will do is um, he's great at asking questions. And I think some of the biggest breakthroughs that I've had at the event is when, when another guy asks me a deep question, right? About, you know, for example, in this case, I remember back to a conversation with Tim where he's talking about who are you in your marriage? What do you want? What do you stand for? And it was really like what we were getting to was that I was being weak in my marriage. I was being, and, and I'm not talking about the opposite of that being dominant and you know, and, and being a bulldozer in your marriage, it's about literally having confidence in who you are, what you stand for. And that is attractive to a partner. That's attractive to a teammate, a spouse, right? Somebody that's like, that's my man, right? That's my, that's my partner. You know, that's a confident, able body, like he is in it to win it type of guy. And I'd lost that edge. I got lazy in my marriage and having that conversation with Tim about who are you? What do you stand for? What do you want? All those little things, man. And I could go on and on with dozens more, but those are a couple of examples and things that not only we could consider ourselves, but we could even challenge other people. So you don't have to be part of Front Row Dads to take these ideas and start implementing them. I mean, that's what great leaders do. That's what great DMs and DVMs do. They they ask big questions. They model excellence to the best of their ability. They source wisdom. And then they they rally teams to move forward. Yeah, well, that was a great summary right there. Uh, uh, what you just said at the very end of that. We all just got back from the uh, uh, seventh retreat that you've held, and it was in San Diego. And I know I, I came out of it w- with a real aha about the importance of more accountability in my life. As a leader of a large organization, I'm supposed to be the guy that holds people accountable and that helps people make sure they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. And I'm supposed to be this inspirational example for everyone. And the reality is that, you know, I need help sometimes in my life too, to make sure I'm following through on the things I'm supposed to be doing. And at one of the previous retreats, somebody talked about the importance of being intentional 
about who we spend our time with as a family. It's like as as business people, we're pretty intentional about who we hang out around and who we spend time around, and that we you know we become a lot like those people. Well, it just got me thinking about you know relating that to my family and my kids, right? And who are the people in my neighborhood that I want my kids spending time around? Who do I want to spend more time around? And it, it just I, I'm I'm very fortunate to be around a group of neighbors and local friends who are pretty awesome, and I just realized like I need even more of the influence of these people uh, in my life. And I need to be able to establish a little more of a sense of accountability. The idea of having a band like you have there in Austin, John, became really important to me to establish um, so that I have a little more of that accountability from the right people, more time around the right people, talking about things that are really, really, truly important and having my family exposed to a lot of the, the best people and the best ideas more often that was an, a, a takeaway that came to me from from this last retreat we had here in San Diego. I really feel that for since this is for the supporting the Cutco community, you know, as a company, we're really intentional to want to try to give people tools and skills to help them grow and learn. And I think sometimes, you know, when you're in business, there's a specific goal that you're shooting for, whether it's a sales quota. And one of the things I'm really proud of about the company is that we've We've always tried to be more than that. But I think what's awesome to see is that one of our alumni has gone out and actually created something that a lot of people in Cutco still need. They may have their business life in order, but they're really wrestling with how do they balance that? And I don't think that's unique to Cutco. I think that's unique to, as we can see at these retreats, to all industries and all walks of life where people are looking for a little something extra. And you know, I just want to say that it, it makes me really proud to know that, that, you know, as John kind of honors his roots and as Adam honors his roots and many other people do, they're out doing things in the world that are kind of helping the family they started in be better. And I, I know that there's going to be a young district manager that listens to this podcast that's not married and doesn't have a family yet, but I'm willing to bet they'll go back to it someday and they'll really look at this and dig in and... I just want to make a point that there's a free podcast out there for anybody in the world to listen to. This isn't just for guys who can afford to go to a retreat and you know be part of the community. This work is free out there for the world. So the best speakers that we've had are on the free Front Row Dads podcast. And I think that that's the gift that's being given out there. So just like this podcast, I consider one of the greatest gifts ever that's been given back to Cutco, Dan, as you initiated this yourself and got it started. You were supported, but you did this on your own initiative. And you were supported, you know, I, I guess what I'm saying, people liked the idea, but you did it. And, you know, John, for you to go out in the world and say, hey, this is what I'm interested in, but then to give so much value to the world is awesome. And I think, you know, I just wanted to, to frame that in that I believe many generations are going to be impacted by what's happening here. And to me, that really gives makes me feel like I'm part of something special and something with a big purpose. And, you know, it's hard to separate the personal and professional sometimes. And to know that one is really complimenting the other is a great blessing. So grateful for uh, what you're doing, Dan and John, and just being part of the group. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, a, a lot of the people that have been referenced throughout uh, this conversation have been on the Front Row Dads podcast. And uh, certainly that's a free resource that's available that everybody can tap into and be able to hear and learn from Kelly Flanagan 
or from Jim Shields or others like that that have been a part of it. So how about uh, anything you guys want to share about this last retreat we just experienced in San Diego and, and what were some takeaways that you got from this last one? I listened to a speaker a couple weeks ago and at the end of his speech, he passed around some what looked like business cards, but they were really they were really these cards. And on the card, on the front of the card is a is a quote by Goethe that says, I am the decisive element. And I came into the retreat with this on my mind, and I came out of the retreat with this even more on my mind. And this notion that we're not just responsible for our actions, but we're responsible for our reactions. I think that I, I knew and was very aware and conscious and present to the idea of being responsible for my actions, but I don't think that I was really anywhere close to acceptance that I was responsible for my reactions. Mm. And it was really easy for me if, if I was yelling at one of my kids or if something bothered me that my wife did, that I really, my reaction was, was sharp because, not because of like, it wasn't that it was their fault. It wasn't that what happened, I wasn't a victim to that situation. It was that I had choice in how I could respond, and I was responding in a very particular way because I was triggered personally by something, some deeper need that I was trying to have met that wasn't being met in that moment. And you know, it brings me to a, a, another shorter quote. I, I would encourage the listeners to look up this quote, I'm the decisive element. It's, uh, it's profound. But it, it brings me to the, another quote. This is Daniel Pierce. Anger is almost always an emotion for people who wish to control others while simultaneously failing to control themselves. Wow. Anger is almost always That's an emotion great. for people who wish to control others while simultaneously failing to control themselves. And it's like, it's, it's totally true, right? How many times, if I can remember that, I've, that I'm yelling at my kid to lower their voice, <laughs> like just think about think about that and I, I i know i'm making it sound like i yell at my kids all the time which i don't but even when i do i don't like that that's the adam that's that's standing in front of his kids doing that in the same way and i i've, I've mentioned this at a dad's retreat like imagine that there's a big huge giant who's 18 feet tall looking down at you in a loud, giant voice. That's like the equivalent ratio for those of us ha that have kids who are three, four, five years old, we're three times as tall as them, we're three times as big as them, and we don't, we don't realize the impact that we're having in that moment on them and their psyche and, I mean, and the ripple effect of those decisions. And also the ripple effect of the positive decisions on the other side. When we teach kindness, when we teach choice. I mentioned, you were talking about highlights, and I've mentioned this to you before, Dan. Very vivid breakthrough memory for me was, that, was what you said in Santa Cruz about positive language. And not, don't do that, don't do this, but, hey, do this. Do that, instructing them what to aim for and 
and the role modeling of that behavior has a, had a huge effect on me. And that's the positive side. You think about what the ripple effect will be of that kindness and that patience and that willingness to hang in there and not lose control while control, trying to control others. Mm, that's such a good insight. The importance of our reactions, not just our actions, but our reactions. I, I had a chance during the San Diego retreat to have a meal with a guy named Brad Baraka. And Brad is not somebody I would ever see other than at these events. He's not a Cutco guy. He lives in, I think, Kansas City somewhere. St. Louis. 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 And we were talking about a, a, a challenge I'm experiencing. And he kept on like reminding me that like that's I, I'm just I'm caught in this loop of reacting poorly to something. And I just have to get out of that loop. And it was just cool to have a guy who is, you know, has wisdom and insight that was able to spot that and call me out. And I, I just thought that was a very valuable thing that came to me from, from the last retreat is just having those kinds of conversations where we could gain those insights about ourselves, the mirror that was described earlier. I, I appreciate also, Adam, you referencing you know what I shared at the Santa Cruz retreat. I was grateful to hear a few guys come to me in San Diego and say that they, they got some good insights from, from that, uh, that topic uh, that we talked about. And, and one of the insights was about mantras or the importance of repetition of good ideas. So from the time that my daughter was, you know, a year old, whenever she would fall down, I would always say, Hey, what do we do when we fall down? And I would tell her, stand back up. Right. And she would repeat, stand back up. Eventually she started repeating, stand back up. Whenever she would fall down, stand back up, I stand back up. And it would be this repetitive mantra about any time she fell down. And she's only five years old now, but I just think about the importance of how that will apply to other things in her future life. And then we also, one of the other repetitive mantras was in describing food, we would call vegetables, we'd call them strong food. These are strong food. Do you want to be strong? Do you want to go fast? Yeah, these are strong food. And just the kids associating you know, greens as strong food Right, my 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 two year old now will eat his greens, and he'll like he'll like you know show these muscles on his arm, like ah, you know he'll show it, like hey, I'm strong because I'm eating my greens, and just I, I, there are a lot of different repetitive mantras that we can build in to our kids, either by constructing them or by reading good books that help share these mantras and share these ideas. You got anything, John Roman? You want to add? I always have something to add, <laughs> but I'll keep it quick because uh, I know we're probably up against the clock here. My short response here would be that I, I think Adam's hitting the nail on the head, which is around our responses and our ability to, to manage our emotions or notice our emotions. And then ultimately, uh, even if it's have the, con- the illusion of controlling our emotions, but you know, this is our emotional mastery, one of our pillars, which is self-awareness and self-control. And a lot of really smart people will agree that our biggest growth opportunity is stems from a level of self-awareness. And that self-awareness will sometimes come to you through your own reflection. Just being quiet with a journal or staring at the ocean or in a mindfulness practice will get you there. Uh, and it'll also, that, that self-awareness will come because somebody else reflects it back to you. And they see it and they, they bring it to light for you. And that's enlightenment when the lights go on and you're like, ah, I see that now. That's enlightenment. 
So I believe that this emotional mastery piece is huge. And for me, I could go on a rant for an hour about how many times I've been embarrassed about how I talk to my kids and how my wife would even say like, oh, the great John Broman, like if only the world could see you now. You know, like if only there was a hidden camera that would show the leader of Front Row Dads, you would be so proud of yourself, right? So, um, you know, there were (laughs) moments like that that uh, were were piercing. But she was right, you know, and sometimes like that's a person that the the comment that feels the most painful feels that way because there's some truth to it, maybe a lot of truth to it. And so, you know, if I were to go micro here, I would say at the last dad's retreat, one of our members taught a breathing method, Wim Hof breathing method. And you could download the app Wim Hof and you could do it for free. We were doing this exercise with the group and I've been doing it ever since. So every morning I've been doing this breathing exercise. And at night I've been meditating at night. This retreat got me back to a practice that was very important for me. So not only am I meditating and breathing, but I'm sleeping better as a result of it. And those two things have the biggest impact on my emotions. Just like a child, child's losing their mind. And the first thing to ask is, are they tired? Are they hungry? Are they thirsty? Because you might be like, that kid's you know, out of control. What's wrong with them? And it's like, what's wrong with them is they're tired. What's wrong with them is they're thirsty or dehydrated. What's wrong with them is they're hungry and their blood sugar's off. What you need to do is just give them a snack and they'll probably be okay. Right. So it's the same way with parents. And a lot of it is managing these pieces of our lives that help us stay emotionally centered. And I think that's the way it is for a manager. It's like a lot of your success is bounce back. A lot of your success is recovery and not getting derailed. It's staying in the zone. I just interviewed a guy who wrote a book called Raise Your Game. He's a professional basketball coach or was, and now he's a speaker. And he's all about being in the zone. He says the best players, a lot of them, it's bounce back. They're resilient. They don't get hung up on the story. It's actually that they're just better at recovering. And so for a lot of us, it's about not whether or not you ever lose your emotion or you're cool or get angry. It's about bounce back. And that's what I think I got from this last event. It's just more tools and strategies to bounce back. Awesome, John. What does uh, the future hold for Front Row Dads and, and how do people find out more if they want to? Well, the future is to be open to new members. We, we don't want to hold on to this information. It's not like we want to be a group of 40 that uh, you know, this is, this is uh, only for us. We'd w- we want to have the best families and beat everybody else. This is about getting together, having conversations, and then spreading the word. So we want other people to join. And the future in my mind right now looks like 100,000 members in 100 different countries, all having one-to-one conversations, small group conversations and bands, and then having you know retreats and different styles of events and ways to connect. We just want to find a platform that we, pres- we don't feel presently exists for men to find a conversation and ideas and breakthroughs. That's awesome. Well, I'm, I'm proud to be a part of it. John, and if somebody listening wants to learn more about uh, how they can be a part of it, uh, what would you direct them to? Frontrowdads.com is the easiest place to go get info. Check out the podcast because if you're listening to this, chances are that's how you like to consume some content. So Front Row Dads podcast, Front Row Dads uh, online will get you to everything you need. And if somebody's a mom, frontrowmoms.com, baby, throw your name and email in there because it's coming next year. (laughs) That's great. I'm glad to hear that uh, it is in the works. So, well, fellas, uh, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, I think this has been some valuable insights for our audience. And I'm really grateful to be on this journey of fatherhood with you guys as brothers on the journey. I really believe that our children are the greatest legacy that we can leave in the world. 
and it's such a powerful thing that we're all working on together to make sure that we uh, we're we're the greatest dads that we can be and the greatest influences on our communities that we possibly can be as well. So grateful for you guys and uh, thanks for making time today. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with John Roman, John Keane, and Adam Stock about exceptional parenting and considering first what matters most in your world, what matters most in your life. Because I think a lot of people say, well, it's my family. And considering, you know, the legacy that we are leaving of our kids, our most powerful legacy. And are we bringing full engagement to the times that we are spending with our family? Are we fully engaged during those times? The idea that your schedule is a reflection of your priorities. And just looking at your schedule, you can see what is true in your life in terms of uh, priorities and what matters most. Uh, the idea of the family board meeting, which is the one-on-one meetings with each of your kids at regular intervals, 90-day intervals, where it's a full day. They pick the activity, four hours, no electronics, one-on-one with each kid. Cool stuff there. Uh, the concept of positive leadership and the idea that positive influence simply works better than negative influence and negative emotions. Somebody once taught me long ago, do more of what works and less of what doesn't. And it's so important to catch yourself in those times when you're exhibiting negative influence or the emotion of anger. I love what Adam shared, that anger is an emotion for those who wish to control others while simultaneously failing to control themselves. And one of my mentors in the Cutco business says, anger is one letter off of danger. So consider your emotional response to different situations. Are we motivating our children towards things that we want them to do, towards things that they want, or are we motivating them away from what we don't want? And the idea that motivating people towards what we want, towards what they want, is far more effective. Showing appreciation, showing gratitude, and the value of those in our lives. And then, of course, intentional relationships. Who we spend our time around is so important for our own personal success, but considering who are we spending time around as a family? Who are we encouraging our kids to spend time around? Are we building strong relationships in our own nearby circles, our neighborhoods, creating more of a brotherhood with other like-minded fathers and mothers, and having accountability with people in our lives to help make sure that we're actually doing the things we want to do and living the lives we want to lead. I trust that you are enjoying this podcast as I'm really striving to bring high value and insightful guests from a variety of disciplines. The podcast is free, as you know. My ask is that you share this information with others. Also, take a few seconds right now and tap the five on the reviews. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, write a short review, even just one sentence, as it helps spread the word about this podcast. If you want any other content from me, you can get it for free at my website, 
dancassetta.com. Thanks for taking time out of your day to support me and this podcast. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode of Changing Lives, Selling Knives, hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. And if you want access to today's show notes, including links to any resources mentioned, visit changinglivespodcast.com. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. I'll catch you back here in a few days for our next story about changing lives.